Morning, church. <laughs> Little throwback, Steve. I like it. Yeah, that's fun. Man, it is good to be back. I was out and at the Minute Clinic last week trying to figure out what's going on and still don't have any answers, but I'm feeling a little bit better than I was. I'm able to at least sleep through the nights and so we're getting that all squared away and I don't know if I've just gotten old and allergy season is uh, taking its toll a lot harder than it did when I was younger, but it's definitely nothing but a bunch of congestion and gunk and I'm I'm, I'm ready to get rid of it anytime you are, Lord. Just, just let me know. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Today we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12, talking about a fantastic promise and a golden rule. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If not, that's going to be okay. It's going to be up on the screen. You'll be able to see it there. Um, one of the things that Chris and I were talking about, we were kind of mapping out some things and getting ready to go. We're going to be really excited about our next sermon series. We're going to be looking at, so if you guys that are Planners and preppers, here you go. We're going to be reading through and teaching through um, the book of Ephesians is coming up next. So we're really excited about that as well. We've got a lot of neat things happening here at Calvary Heights that God is doing, and so we're excited about that. So let's take a look at first Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. You got your Bible, there it is. It's up on the screen. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the time you've given to us to be here in your word, worshiping you, knowing how amazing you are. Father, I pray that as we, we enter into this time of, of worship where we hear your word and we respond to it, that we would honor your name, that we would glorify you, that we would respond appropriately to what you've called us to do through your word. I pray, Lord, that as we enter into this time that you would just put me aside, that you would just let this be your word and it fall on our hearts and it move in us the way your word does. Father, continue to bless us as we seek to serve and glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here we have this, this section of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's this, this beautiful reminder to us about how God interacts with his children, right? We see this promise of, of the God of all creation who is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, and we see that he's promising to us that not only will he hear the prayers of his people, but he will also answer the prayers of his people. Our God is gracious and He's loving and He desires this, this intimacy with His people that comes through prayer. I think it's interesting as we've, we've already looked at the Sermon on the Mount where we're mostly through it. Jesus has already taught us once about a model prayer. And here He's teaching us about the power of prayer. And He's continuing to teach us about prayer in this sermon. Now, unfortunately, and I, I'm probably not the only one that can say this, I've, I've heard this passage used as a way to, to kind of seek lesser glory 
than what Jesus is really teaching here. Some take Jesus telling his disciples to, to ask, seek, and knock as, as a way to God to bless them in ways that are more worldly rather than to bless them in the ways of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus has been teaching all along here about the kingdom of heaven and to being blessed in that way. And like I said, he's already taught us, Jesus has already taken the time to teach us how to come to God in prayer when he, when he gave us the model prayer back in, in chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. And that Jesus uh, teaches us to start all of our prayers focused on God the Father, right? We focus there. We focus our prayers on his concerns. And, and we ask that he be filled the needs that he can supply. We, we pray this way. We, we pray, we seek out and start with our Heavenly Father. We seek to honor his name. We seek out his, his kingdom. We seek out his will. When we pray, we're to share our concerns of our heart with God, our Heavenly Father, and we are to ask that our daily needs be met. Right? We're to ask God to forgive us as we forgive others, and, and we are to ask God to deliver us from evil. And we also saw that here in the beginning of chapter 7, the opening kind of salvo there is, is Jesus dealing with hypocrisy in the lives of, of the believer. And it would be an act of hypocrisy for us to take a look at it at this ask, seek, and find, or ask, seek, and knock passage, verses 7 through 11 here, without thinking about what Jesus has already taught us about praying in the same sermon. We want to be cautious to that, to not take anything out of context, but see it all in this, this big passage, right? The, the, the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6 is still part of the same sermon that Jesus started in chapter 5, and he's going to conclude here in just a handful more verses. It's all within that same context. So we understand that how that's working. And, and yes, Jesus does say that we are to ask, seek, and knock. But when Jesus is telling us to ask, seek, and knock, he's, he's telling us to ask, seek, and knock. And in light of what he taught us in that Lord's Prayer back in chapter 6, ask, seek, and knock comes from a heart that is, that is already focused on the Father. Right? It, it comes from a heart that is already desires to honor God's name above all else. It comes from a heart that wants to, wants to see God's kingdom come here on earth. It, it's, it comes from a heart that wants to see God's will be done above all else. Ask, seek, and knock, as Jesus is teaching it here in chapter 7, comes from a humble heart that only desires the daily needs that God has so lovingly given to them. That ask, seek, and knock seeks to flee from evil and it seeks to strive to forgive others, understanding how much God has already forgiven us. See, when we ask, we, we do so in, in a manner that is, that is humble. right? And it's humble because we are then in a great awareness of our need. Not just awareness of our physical needs, but awareness of our spiritual needs. Then when I go to ask before God, I realize where I am at. Who am I compared to Him? And I'm not much. But yet there's something about him that is so loving and so gracious that he looks at me who is not much and says, ah, but you have value because of who I am in you. And I'm creating that. So when we, we seek those spiritual needs and we realize our spiritual needs and we go to God in prayer, when we ask him, we, we seek to connect our prayer with the responsible action of pursuing the will of God. Right? Well, I'm connecting that in that time. I'm using that when, when we... When we Seek that out, we're doing that. When we ask, we're looking for our spiritual needs. And when we knock, it, it, it suggests that we're not just persistent, but we're also consistent in prayer. 
We have the consistency in prayer. That means that we are continually seeking God's desire for our life above our own worldly desires. And we are persistent in the confidence that that God our Father will answer our prayers and provide what is best for us according to his sovereign and gracious will. Notice that I said that he will best provide according to his will. My will says some dumb stuff, right? My will says, as we went through Target last night, ooh, that new Millennium Falcon Lego set looks a lot of fun, right? God's will says, what are you thinking? Come on, you can do better, and I'm going to give you better. That's what God's will says, right? Sinclair Ferguson says, this about these basic verses here as he's talking about it. He says that that as we look at what Jesus is saying when he says, ask, seek, and knock, he's saying that we come up with a a beggar's logic, right? Reminding us that we have nothing before God to offer him. That it's God who's who's doing the giving, God who's doing the offering, and, and we are just at his mercy at what we receive. But I like what Pastor Danny Aiken says about these verses too. He says, not only is there a beggar's logic, he agrees with, with Ferguson, but he says there's also a beggar's privilege. Because when we have that beggar's privilege, we understand that our prayer puts our impotence in direct contact with God's omnipotence. Right? I am weak and he is strong. And my prayer time puts those two in position. And my, his strength leads over into my weakness. This is why we should not be neglectful of the important spiritual discipline of prayer and regular prayer. Let's go back and look at those three verbs that Jesus uses here. Ask, seek, and knock. I'm teaching language arts again. I'm getting to teach verbs and nouns and subjects and predicates, and I haven't taught that in a few years, and, and I'm being reminded of some things, and I'm looking at tense and all these sorts of grammar skills that I've got them. I just don't use them as often as I should in in daily practice. And now I'm practicing them more. And I'm looking at these particular verbs. And they're not just action words. You know, we always talk about verb being an action word. I I played the little schoolhouse rock song this last week with my kids. Verb, that's what's happening, right? And the little kids are run, jump, skip, play. All these action words. But these particular verbs, while they are actions, they're also imperatives. Ooh, now we're going to get fancy with the grammar, right? Imperatives are commands. But they're also in a present tense that calls for continual action. It's not just ask, it's ask and keep asking. It's not just seek, it's seek and keep seeking. It's not just knock, it's knock and keep knocking. There's some consistency and persistency here that Jesus is calling us to. And that consistency and that persistency in our prayer lives is when we see answered prayers. Now understand this. That consistency and persistency in our prayer lives is when we see answered prayers, not because we're wearing God down. We're not doing that. I get it. I have been the teacher in the school bus with 44 kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When's lunch? When's lunch? They can wear you down. Our God cannot be wore down that way. That's not who he is. Our consistency and our persistency do not wear God down, but our consistency and our persistency in prayer 
especially if we're looking back at how Jesus modeled prayer for us in chapter 6, our consistency and our persistency in prayer have aligned us to the Father better. And we see and understand those answered prayers. When we are praying in the will of the Father, and we are really well aligned with the Father, we can accept easily answers from God like, yes, but. Or, no, not yet. And the one that we really don't like to sometimes get, but it's one we can when we're really praying in the will of the Father is, no, my child, and may it never be. See, all of those answers are good answers. All of those answers are good answers from our God because they glorify His name. They honor His name. And they are good because of that. And those good answers that glorify God's name and honor God's name are the way we should be looking to approach God in prayer. We shouldn't be looking to approach God in prayer looking for the, well, if that's what you want, sure, kind of answer. Because that is not a loving father who's giving the best for his children. If that's what you want, sure, doesn't do that. See, the beautiful thing is, as Jesus is talking here about ask, seek, and find, or ask, seek, and knock, and, and he's using this to let us know that, that when we ask, God hears us when we ask. When we seek, God shows us when we seek. When we knock, God opens doors when we knock. Pastor James Merritt reminds followers of Christ this way, and I like what he says. He says, what we need in our churches today is not a declaration of independence. What we need is a declaration of dependence. Dependence on Christ and Christ alone. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is a good word for us today when we look at what Jesus is teaching here in, in, in verses 7 and 8. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Period. It's a good word for us as we think about that. Verses 9 through 11 show us a couple of things too. When we pray, remember we are praying to our Father. And that our Father in heaven is, is so much better than our Father here on earth. And Jesus does this by asking some rhetorical questions here. Right? He asks these questions. Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, gives him a serpent. I, I can't imagine going to dad. Hey, dad, can I have some fish and a biscuit? And him give me a rock and a lizard. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Would your dad do that to you? Dad, can I have, can I have a, a fish sandwich? Sure. Here's two, piece, here's two rocks and a snake. Here's your fish sandwich. Like that's, that's, that seems ridiculous to us. Earthly parents have an innate impulse to do what is best for their children. Earthly parents are, fall, are flawed and they're fallen, right? Earthly parents have missteps and make mistakes. But overall, the trend is 
that earthly parents do wish to see what is best for their children. Even the best parents out there, the dads of the year, the moms of the century, those best parents out there still suffer from sin and still are fallen and still have mistakes, still make missteps. It's part of it. Those best parents out there, the ones that we compare ourselves to and wish, wow, I wish I could parent that way, they still cannot match the parenting abilities of God the Father. He's that much better than them. Every time. Jesus reminds us that. He says, if you then who are evil, meaning fallen or sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, using these rhetorical questions, Jesus is using this this lesser than to greater than kind of argument in verse 11. Earthly parents are evil because of their sin nature, right? Yet they still work to give good gifts to their children. God the Father is not evil. He has no sin. Because he has no sin, we can expect his gifts to be even better. See, God delights in blessing his children and giving good things to them. God delights in his children coming to him and asking. And God delights in his children coming to him and seeking. And God delights in his children coming to him and knocking. It honors God when we are consistent and persistent in our prayer. It honors God when we expect him to give us good things through our consistent and persistent prayer. It's weird to think that way sometimes, but it's, this is a God-honoring approach to prayer because we're aligning ourselves again with His will, with His kingdom, with His desires. And because God is our perfect Heavenly Father, we can come before Him trustingly. We can come before Him knowing that when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, He will only give us what's best for us. Even when that best for us is, no, my child, may it never be. He gives us what we need to live for him, and he gives us what we need to live in his will. And that is always what is best for us. God answers our prayers. And he wants us to pray consistently. He wants us to pray persistently. And he wants us to pray with high expectations of him. That he will give us good gifts that flow from this well of infinite love that is him. That's the beauty of our God. Verse 12. Verse 12 is one of those interesting ones because it's, it's kind of like what, where Chris started off last week with 7-1, right? It's, it's one of those verses that we hear people use, but they don't put it in its full context. Now, it's not used in a weird way, like 7-1 is sometimes used, judge not lest ye be judged, right? It's, it's used in a different way, though, but we see it. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. 
<laughs> understand that verse 12, that golden rule that we we've grew up hearing about so much, is very closely connected to verses 7 through 11. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do for them. That is the law and the prophets. That word so, we see it translated in the ESV as so. Sometimes it's translated in some others as therefore. That word so in in the Greek is is kind of a, a so then, or a so therefore, or a so then therefore, or a now that you know, do this kind of word. This is a call to action. Here in in, in verse 12, Jesus is giving us a call to action. Doing unto others flows naturally out of having a consistent, persistent time in prayer with our Lord. Our ask, seek, and knock leads us to doing unto others the way Jesus is commanding it here. D.A. Carson looks at verse 12 like this, and he says, He kind of simplifies it in a way, but also makes you dig a little deeper when he does. Dr. Carson's really good at that. D.A. Carson says this. He says, if you enjoy being loved, love others. Okay. If you like to receive things, give to others. If you like being appreciated, appreciate others. Here there is no no permission to withdraw into a world where I offend no one, but, ac- and, but accomplish no positive good either. What would you like done to you? What would you really like? Then do that to others. Duplicate both the quality of those things and their quantity in everything. Whew. Here's what's really interesting about this. Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 6.31, is recorded teaching this, this verse again in a way. And Luke 6.31 says, As you wish others would do to you, do so to them. Now what's interesting about the way it's recorded in Luke, possibly in another sermon um, where that's at, is, it's, is, is Jesus is teaching the golden rule here in, in Luke. The statement comes immediately after the passage about loving your enemies. Immediately after the passage about loving your enemies. That as you would wish others to do to you, do so to them in Luke is connected to loving your enemies. See, this golden rule, this, this is, is a way for Jesus' followers to treat all of mankind whether they're your friend, whether they're your acquaintance, whether they're your neighbor, whether they're your enemy. It gives all who have been created in the image of God the dignity that goes along with being made in the image of God. But when he says, for this is the law and the prophets, he's making it even deeper than that. See, the law and the prophets is a way of saying, this is what Scripture says. It, it's shorthand for all of the Old Testament teachings. He's telling us here that, that Matthew seven twelve captures the heart of the Old Testament Scriptures. And he's going to remind us about that a little bit later when we get to Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 
through 40 when we talk about the great commandment. That they're the two greatest things that we can do is, is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. According to Jesus, Matthew 7, 12 is the summation of the essence of the character that God expects of his people. Those of us who are called of Christ, call God our Father, are chosen and written in the Lamb's book of life, this is how we are supposed to live every day. Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It shows us how God's image bearers are to relate to others made in his image, no matter what, no matter the circumstance. These verses are, are wonderful and that we can see Jesus in them, right? When I, when I look at this passage and I see this, and I see this, this model of praying persistently and consistently, this model of, of loving people and showing them the dignity and the respect that you have always wanted, even when they don't show it to you, I see Jesus living that out better than anyone I've ever seen. No one prayed more consistently and persistently than Jesus. No one trustingly expected the best from the Father like Jesus. No one treated others with more dignity as image bearers of God than Jesus. Jesus exuded, oozed them, if you would, all of these things that we see here today. See, we have this fantastic promise that God will answer our prayers because he's a good father who enjoys consistent and persistent prayers of his children. And then it's a result of these consistent and persistent prayers that then we, his children, are able to live out this golden rule of loving others as ourselves, treating them the way we would want to be treated. Absolutely none of this is possible without Jesus in your life. I can try it on my own. And that's where verse 12 happens, right? A lot of people out in the world want to try it on their own, of their own will. And they, they, they realize quickly, some people you just can't do that with without the Holy Spirit intervening. I may be one of them. I don't know how others feel about me every time, but that's the truth. You cannot live what Jesus is calling you to live here. You cannot do what Jesus is calling you to do here without him doing it in you. It doesn't happen. None of this is possible without Jesus in our lives. If we want to see the golden rule lived out, we, we have to look at how Jesus loves sinners like you and me. And what he did is he graciously gave of himself to rescue us. And without his rescue, none of this matters. See, the truth of our situation is that we rebel against God, right? Since Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden, our hearts of all mankind have been in rebellion against the God of all creation. And our sinful nature keeps us separated from God. And the only way to have a right relationship with him is through the work of Jesus Christ that has already been done for us on the cross. Hope and comfort come in Jesus Christ. Being able to ask, seek, and knock before a holy and just God come through Jesus Christ. Being able to treat others the way you want to be treated comes through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus, who was born of a virgin, lived a life filled with the sufferings that life brings, tempted in all the same ways that you and I have ever been tempted, yet was perfect and without sin. This Jesus, Jesus here, he paid for our sinful rebellion. We deserve to have eternal spiritual death. But he died in our place so that we may escape it. He takes our sin, he takes our shame, and he places them on the cross with his body. And he willingly pays for our sin. Willingly pays for our sin by sacrificing himself for our sake. But he didn't stay there. Jesus was then raised from the dead to provide the only way to be rescued and to be restored into a right relationship with God. When we feel that spirit moving in us, we feel that that tug of, of conviction from the Holy Spirit, we've got to admit our sinfulness. We've got to stop trusting in ourselves and trusting in our own power. We've got to surrender ourselves to Jesus. We just ask Jesus, forgive me and rescue me. And when we do this, Jesus says, sure, I got you. And then he brings new life in us and he begins to work of making us new creatures. Sometimes that works quick, sometimes that works slow, but it's his work, nothing that we've done. And then God, through Jesus, renews all aspects of our lives. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your King today, man, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about making Jesus your your Savior and your King. He's he's already there, but I want to talk to you about surrendering it to him. And I'd love to share more with you about making Jesus the center of your life. If you know Jesus already as your Savior and King, know this. We can come to God. We can come to God the Father through Jesus, his Son, prayerfully with the ability to ask, seek, and knock. And we should take advantage of that. That that we should take as much advantage of that as we possibly can. That that Jesus is calling his followers to be consistently and persistently praying. And in doing so, we are tuning our hearts to be more and more in tune with the Father's heart. And then we are more easily able to live out that golden rule from God's fantastic promise to answer our prayers. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for the day you've given to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that that you are holy and just and right and perfect. And that when you call us as yours, we can come to you. We can ask and we can seek and we can knock. And we can be consistent and persistent and expectant to know that you are the giver of good things. Father, we also know that it's through you and the work that you have done in our lives that allows us to to live a life that, that does for others what we would have done to us. I pray, Lord, that as we, we get ready to depart from this time of, of worship out into the worship of ministry in our community, that you would remind us of that. Remind us of who you are, how great you are. And for us to be continually turning our ways to you. 
Father, for those who maybe don't know Christ, have not heard the call of the Spirit in their hearts yet, we pray that you would continue to plow those fields. Let us continue to plant those seeds. And Father, you harvest when it's right. We pray, Lord, that those who, who've heard the message of the gospel, that, that they, they hear it for real. We pray that the Spirit be working in their lives. Father, let us be a church that preaches the gospel to ourselves so that we are comfortable proclaiming the gospel to others as well. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things.